Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. So I'm going to share from the Word of the Lord here. This is a great Word. I've preached this uh, before and so have other people, but, you know, a long time ago or whatever. But I want you to be encouraged by the big picture of this story. It's, a, it's kind of a long story, so we're going to kind of jump around here a little bit. But we're going to look at the big picture. Sometimes we get bogged down not looking at the big picture. And it's helpful to see uh, what God is doing and what he is capable of doing. The title of this, if you're a note taker, is I'm so discouraged I just want to quit and go home. So write all that down. Make sure it shows up. There's probably a better title. You can retitle it later after we get done. There actually is a better title. But let's pray. And uh, we've been doing this fast, fasting time. I know you've been fasting. So have I. It's messing with my brain and everything else. Believe in God to match colors. I figured if it was all black, I could. it'd be okay. I wouldn't have to worry about other things. So hopefully I can speak coherently at least long enough for the caffeine to last when it start when the caffeine starts dwindling just pray in emergency tongues that I can finish the message let's pray right now father thank you lord for your word we live by what you say and we live by your promise you're a faithful god and we're asking today to give us ears to hear a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I've told it before, a long time ago, that I was 10 years old and in the fifth grade, and the time came at our school where you were going to select a instrument to play, a musical instrument. And you were going to play what instrument, the one you select on this day, for the next years all the way up until high school. And it, they made it difficult to, like, change. So you're going to make this big decision as a 10-year-old. And so I went home with the paperwork, and here's how much the instruments costs. And my mom takes me to the day where you're going to select, and I'm in a long line in the high school. Now, I'm a 10-year-old in grade school, but the high school band director, whoa, is the one that's leading the selection process, and you're in this line, and down there somewhere is a table, and he's sitting at it, and when you get to him, you're going to declare what instrument. He's going to hand it to you. you got to buy it. And then you guys get to start showing up for lessons during school. And then, you know, then you get to be in the junior high band. And then you get to be in the senior high band. And uh, marching band, concert band. And they're going to, you know, they're really going to take you through, you know, four, five, six, seven years of playing an instrument. You should be pretty good. So I was so excited. I already knew. I didn't have to fast and pray to decide, to decide what instrument to play. I wanted to play the drums. There is only one instrument for 10-year-old boys, drums. I wanted to beat something. Can't beat any of the other instruments, but I can beat drums. So I'm in the line. I know what I'm going to pick. Here's with our friends. What are you going to pick? 
Yeah. What are you going to pick? Oh, drums. So I'm getting up there, and there's one part of the story that that is like uh, you, you need to understand. The high school band teacher was extremely intimidating because of his size. He was a, a large guy, and I'm this little tiny, you know, 10-year-old, kind of small, kind of skinny. And the closer I get, the more nervous I'm getting that the big guy's down there, and he's the high school. So I get all the way up to him. And now it's time for me to declare, to declare what I want to play. And so, hey, son, uh, so good to see you. What instrument do you want to play? Oh, I, I said it proudly. I want to play the drums. Had a dream. My dream was I wanted to be in a glam rock band. That was my dream. I'm going to do my hair big. I'm going to wear the spandex with, like, the tassels. Makeup. How? That was my dream. Until the band teacher deflated my balloon by telling me in a not-so-kind way, son, you've got fat lips. We need you to play a brass instrument. Do you think you could play a trombone? I'm terrified of that man, that he's going to stand up and step on me. So, okay. So I walked out with a trombone, weeping, brokenhearted, full of grief. I know those things have happened to you. Fast forward a few years. I've got three of these. Three devastating stories that were actually the hand of God working in my life. And it's going to clearly speak to you today. So if you fast forward a few years, I'm now in high school playing the, that's right, not drums. And uh, so... I just uh, I was invited by the new band teacher because the old guy quit. The new band teacher notices I'm good at whatever it is I needed to be good at and sponsors me to go to drum major camp. Does anybody know what the drum majors are? It's the guy that's out there doing it. Oh, for me being a, you know, uh, it was 11th grade. To be a junior in high school and get selected was a big deal because it's all seniors, right? So I go to this drum major camp, and I was there. They taught me how to clap. There's, like, ways to clap, positions in your hands and whatever. We practiced doing this. Oh, I don't know. Ha! I finished. It was a week of that kind of stuff. What am I doing here? So we get back, and there is drum major. Now there's drum major tryouts for the marching band. And there's only four of us that are trying out. So I do the thing. I do everything I'm supposed to do. And uh, so then they, they have this decision-making process, and they invite us to come back. And you'll never believe what the new band instructor says to me. You were actually the best one, but the others are older than you, so we picked one of them. Wah, wah. Single teardrop. Well, that hurt. That didn't feel too good. Dreams crushed. So then the next year, I, I also played tennis in high school. Now, these stories are important because they're going to speak to us uh, from the book of Samuel here. 
And it's all going to make sense. So just bear with me, fasten your seatbelt low and tight. Uh, so the very next year, my tennis partner and I, uh, we were the uh, undefeated our senior year, and I was sharing with uh, Brother Texas back there, we forgive him, uh, that my senior year, we were the number one seed at the state tennis tournament uh, for doubles. And we had not lost. We were 30-0 and for the senior year. Won every major tournament we played, we won every tournament. Big ones, little ones, whatever. No one could touch us. So we go to the senior, uh, we go, excuse me, the state championship for tennis. And uh, we had to play five matches. And the last one is the championship for the Oklahoma State 3A championship. And I'm in it with my partner. Except... After five, you know, after four matches, the last one is now at night. And I do not play well at night. The ball is so different. Everything's different. My eyes are there. And we split sets with this against this school that we had previously beaten in another tournament. Split sets, and we lost the third set. Oh, it was so devastating. Well, these three stories give you a picture of things that appear as if it was so damaging I couldn't recover, but it was actually the Lord working to make sure that I didn't excel at those things because I wouldn't be here today. I have just the way the Lord has made me, whatever I'm asked to do, I end up doing it enough good enough that uh, it turns out good. I just have some way. And the Lord has had throughout my life to make sure that I'm directed, to make sure I'm doing what he created me to do because I can do a lot of things. Well, I want you to take into account the story we're about to read because it relates to you and I in very much the same way with a seemingly devastating situation. And I love this chapter. It's first, Cham, uh, first Samuel chapter 9, and it's a story of Saul being anointed king. But he doesn't know that's what's happening. So let's take a look, uh, at starting at verse 3. And we're not going to read this whole chapter. You should go home and read the whole chapter all week. Here we go. It says, now the donkeys. Everybody say donkeys. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, were Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisha, did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalom, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin where they did not find them. Wah, wah, utter failure. Saul has been sent out, the faithful son that he is, to go get his dad's donkeys. And he cannot find them anywhere. A little later in the story, we'll find out they've been searching for three days for these donkeys. Traveling, maybe they're on horses, maybe they're walking, doesn't really matter. They have searched extensively all over the country, and they cannot find these donkeys. They don't realize they're totally set up by the Lord. It's a setup. 
the lost donkeys. But Saul doesn't know that. You know that because you've read the story. Or maybe you looked ahead and saw what was coming just now. But just for a moment, imagine that you're Saul and his servant, and you have searched for three days, and you cannot find him anywhere. How are you suddenly feeling about this? Well, first of all, you're going to be really frustrated. You've been looking and looking. You can't find them. You're frustrated. You might end up being embarrassed to have to think, what am I going to tell my dad? I can't find the donkeys. We don't know where they are. I've got to go back in front of everyone and tell them they're lost. So there's probably frustration. There's going to be some, maybe some humiliation in front of the rest of his family. Definitely embarrassment that he couldn't return. And you know what? He's going to feel like a failure. Like he couldn't get the job done. He gave it his best. And he's failed in his attempt to find the donkeys. He doesn't know that God lost the donkeys on purpose. Because guess what's coming is the next phase of the story. That's just the setup. Saul's servant in, uh, let's take a look. Saul's servant, verse 6. They're ready to quit and go home. Forget it. This is not turning out like we thought. I'm ready to quit and go home, and I'll just deal with how my father says, and all all the other people, because I give up already. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Too frustrating. We're supposed to find them already. Wasn't, Wasn't we already supposed to find them already? Yeah, we were. Let's just go home. My father's gonna start worrying about us too. And the servant, thank God for the servant, says to him, hey, you know what? You know where we are? This is verse six. Hey, we're near where the the prophet lives. Let's go inquire of the prophet, and maybe he can tell us which direction to walk in. Oh, okay. So they decide to go to the nearby town and talk to the prophet. His name is Samuel. So now let's pick up verse 14. They went up to the town. As they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Oh, look at this. Verse 15, what an amazing part of the story. Now, the day before, it's kind of like a whisper part in a story because it's kind of the background. So let's do that. Now, the day before, Saul came. The Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their cry has reached me. So God has already told Samuel what's going to happen. Who doesn't know? Saul doesn't know. He's just frustrated looking for his donkeys. But the Lord is doing something he doesn't know about. And he's using these donkeys. Maybe they did some sort of phantom donkey move that I don't know about. And they disappeared. And the Lord is orchestrating a supernatural work here. Uh, When Samuel, verse 17, caught the sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell us, he doesn't even know 
who the seer is. Doesn't know who the prophet is. And he's standing right in front of him. Uh, Would you tell us where the house of the seer is? I am the seer. Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your father's family? Saul is utterly confused. What? What are you talking about? I just want my donkeys. I'm not here for anything else. My dad gave me an assignment. I'm just trying to fulfill the assignment. You can imagine, probably confused. How'd you know I lost my donkeys? Totally profit. So guess what? This is so amazing. I hope you know this story, but I'm bringing it to you as any, as, I'm just gonna move this over here. There we go. Now look, now look at that. Now I won't knock it over. So total setup by the Lord. And I'm bringing this story to our remembrance because there's many here, and maybe you're watching online. I know clearly you're wrestling with feeling like Saul and his servant who are frustrated and ready to go home, throw in the towel. And I'm here to tell you the Lord has you set up. Don't quit and go home. Don't turn around in frustration and throw your hands up in the air and say, this is not what I expected. I'm not doing this. Look what happens to Saul. So take a look with me, if you will. And let's look at verse 22. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you. For this occasion, from the time I said I've invited guests, and Saul dined with Samuel that day. Let's keep going. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, He and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead, but you stay here that I might give you a message from God. Now we'll look at the message in just a moment. Is that not amazing? Saul has no idea what is coming and what God has set up for him. He's only what? Looking for the donkeys. Every frustration and thought he has is about these donkeys being lost. But in the background, Samuel has heard the word of the Lord, set aside a piece of meat, doesn't know who's coming, set aside a piece of meat and invited people to come to this dinner. So imagine, they walk into the hall and there's all these people sitting there. And Samuel puts Saul at the head of the table. 
Everything was set up just for him. And all he really knew was, I can't find my donkeys. And he was going to quit and go home. Thank God for the servant who said to him, let's at least go ask the prophet what he thinks. And the prophet has all this set up. That is so amazing and so encouraging to us that feel like our donkeys are lost. Or whatever circumstance makes you feel like this can't be from God. God can't do anything with this. If we only saw the big picture here, that God does not waste anything God uses everything to steer us and get us. And you know what? God has plans and orchestrations set up. And sometimes we feel like Saul, just frustrated with what's right here. But you know what? God's orchestrating and lining up things. He used these donkeys to reposition Saul. Saul had to be repositioned. And you know what? God does the same things for you and I, for us, not to us, for us. He creates scenarios. Let's just call it lost donkeys. He'll lose your donkeys on purpose to reposition your thinking, to reposition your uh, locations. He'll, he'll, he'll lose your donkeys to reposition your faith on purpose. For you, for me. I, my, my, me and my family, we are such a living testimony of chasing donkeys only to realize the Lord was moving us here. Oh, I've got to tell you a great story. Quickly, as if that was possible. Hey, Pastor Daniel's not here. If I take these off, I can't see the timer back there. My, I'll just try to, I'll try to give it to you in a skeleton version. My wife and I were the children's ministers at our church in Maui, where the Brackens are headed next weekend for the conference. We were there 15 years, children's ministry. And you know what? The Lord allowed us to be successful at what we did. All of our events were big and huge. Uh, well, excuse me, most of them. And we had average of 80 to 100 volunteers a week, steady. And we had, we, I mean, we had, you know, lots of outreaches. Together, we did like 70-something missions trips. I mean, we were really active, and, man, we had lots of influence in our church, and we could call on people. To, and so in terms of what we were called to do, the Lord allowed us to, to be fruitful. And then in 2012, the Lord gave me these crazy, crazy dreams. I didn't ask for them. But the very first one, he speaks to me, me, and says, you're moving to Oregon. Why in the world would I move to Oregon? I'm living two blocks from the beach. Fruitful ministry. My kids are set. Okay. No. So I didn't say anything to my wife for like 30 days. Some of you have heard this before, but, you know, some of you might, might need to be encouraged with this. When you look up here on the front row and see maybe some of the things we've been through. And so the Lord clearly spoke to me and, and told me clearly, said, if you don't, respond to the dreams, you're going to be judged for them. And I was like, oh, God. Well, the moment I, I know the moment I say to her, I had a dream about moving to Oregon, now it's real. Now I have to act on it. Do I believe it or not? 
So we end up moving to Oregon. Took quite a while, a whole lot of work and process to pack up this bunch and move them there. Took a long time to transition there. And we get to Oregon, and everything that we had done in Maui did not work for us in Oregon. And it was extremely frustrating for us. Very frustrating. I cannot tell you, I, I can't express to you, she could, how many times I questioned making a decision to uproot my family from everything that I thought was good to uproot them, pull them to somewhere where they've never been. I felt like the world's biggest failure. I spent so many times weeping, repenting, because I had no proof that I had made a right choice. We had outreaches that nobody would come to. We were trying to start a work in a, in a town near the Reynolds, and it was like nothing is working here. And, and, and it felt fruitless. It was hard to get people to come serve, and it was like, oh, man, this is really, really not what I expected it to be, right? Everybody understands what that means. You've got things like that, too especially if you've stepped out in faith to do something and all of a sudden it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. You know, fireworks, the Lord's, the Lord's raining down gold to pay for everything, angels gl glowing over rivers. That's kind of what we expect. First Sunday, there's a 1,000 people trying to, you know, I guess that's what I had in mind. So for about a year, about a year, uh, I spent the year weeping all the time. I can't believe I did this to my family. Lord, I guess I missed you. I guess I made those dreams up. I guess I made a huge mistake. I'm so sorry. Feeling like a failure, I bet Saul felt kind of the same way. He's really, he lost his donkeys. Then Dr. Morocco calls us up after about a year and tells us we need to move to another king's. That was even more devastating. It was like a stamp of failure on me. That's how I felt about it. All right, we gave you a chance. We're going to move you to somewhere else. What? Okay, bad to worse right here. Now I feel like everyone's looking at me. And so Dr. Morocco on the phone tells me these places that I could move to, other kings around the world that could use whatever it is that, that I can do. And you know what? Alaska was not one of them. What am I doing here? Crazy story. I was so discouraged, but not as discouraged as my wife. Well, I was discouraged. She was raging angry. Did not want to talk to Dr. Morocco. You know, a few weeks goes by. We're, you know, we're just ignoring the issue. We do not want to up and move again. It is so difficult to move. Times seven. We don't want to do that again. And uh, we don't want to start all over again somewhere. You know, all the things that go with that. And Pastor Daniel calls me up. I was so thankful. If you're watching Pastor Daniel... Thank you so much. Pastor Karen, thank you so much. Called us up and said, hey, would you pray about coming to Alaska? Well, my, my initial discouraged response was, I don't want to go to Alaska. 
No way. In fact, secret. We had already decided we're quitting Kings forever. We're moving back home because I ain't doing this. So discouraged. I thought if I, and I'm just going to swing in a direction here real quick. I thought if I made this gigantic leap of faith to uproot my family and obey dreams I know I had that the Lord gave me, that immediately it should look like what I think it should look like, which is God showing up in great fanfare and I, I never have to struggle with anything. But it wasn't. It was the opposite. It was like a desert. And I'm looking for life in the desert. So we decided we were going to take a, another leap of faith and we had made a decision between us. Let's do this Alaska thing. We will give it, what, a week? Two weeks? We will move up there. We'll drive up there. We drove up the Alcan, took eight days with our family and all of the challenge that came along with that. We get up here and we had decided that um, if we don't feel at home within a week or two, we're moving back to Oklahoma. We're out of here. We came to the very first service. We stood right over there. I wish we still were. I don't like being over here. Everybody's looking at me. I want to be over there where nobody can see me. And you know what? We've never had a follow-up conversation about whether or not we feel at home or not. From the very first service, we're like, oh, this is where we're supposed to be. Well, there's more to the story. A, f a couple of years ago, I'm doing a wedding in Maui for some kids that were in our children's ministry. Now they're a little older. And they were getting married, and I was doing their wedding. I'm so sorry. Am I I'm fasting. Did I say something wrong? I didn't swear, did I? Did I swear? I'm sorry if I botched it. Please forgive me. Oh, to make it worse, I, I grilled on mesquite organic grass-fed T-bones for my kids last night and tortured myself watching them eat it. Don't do that. I had issues. What was I doing? I'm at this wedding uh, for some people. Some people are getting married. I'm pretty sure it was a man and a woman. Because if it wasn't, I wasn't going to be there. So they're getting married. I'm doing the marriage. What am I doing here? Why was I at the wedding? Two more weeks to go. This is going to be exciting. At least I'm not fasting coffee. I did that one time. What a nightmare. I only did that because the Lord told me to. You know what happened when I fasted coffee? Side note, sorry, squirreling. I'm, it's swirling. We're swirling. We're swirling. Pastor Daniel, we're, we're, it's relational. It's relational. Staff, bear with me. It's all relational. Right, Pastor Vince? So it's okay. 
I really hope Pastor Daniel's watching. <laughs> Pastor Daniel, it's relational. It's relational right now. I'm gonna, probably going to get text messages right now. Uh, I'm going to take my watch off so it don't buzz. There we go. This is bad because, you know, I'm a really systematic person. I'm on like a squirrel of a squirrel right now. Two-headed squirrel. He's been eating GMO feed. I don't even know what I'm on. Oh, I was fasting coffee. Whoa, you better have three dreams and a vision and an angel. Show up in your bedroom and say fast coffee. One of the effects was I showed up here for church one day, and I had to go to the restroom. And I go in there, and I undo my belt to find another belt underneath that belt. Brain damage right then. Then I went to Costco wearing my fuzzy house slippers. I walk in and I'm like, now back to the other squirrel. We're at the Maui wedding. Dr. Morocco is at the wedding and he walks up to my wife and I and says, it's a good thing you moved to Oregon. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Utter failure, nothing worked, total discouragement. Felt like I bombed it for my family and that they all were upset with me for uprooting them and doing all this family. And Dr. Morocco walks up to me and says, It's a good, my brother Kirsten, it's a good thing you moved to Oregon. This was like a shocker. What? Why would anyone say that to me? And he says, Because if, if you wouldn't have moved to Oregon, I would have never let you go to Alaska. There's no way Dr. Morocco would have sent me straight from Maui to here. And this is the Lord's plan for my family to be here. So the Lord, the Lord lost our donkeys and made us deal with the lost donkeys only for us to realize he's got a dinner set up. They've set aside a piece of meat. And it, you know it's a big one because we got a lot of mouths over here. Hey, what's he doing for you? Take a look at chapter 10, verse 1. Let's look at this, and then our time is up. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And then he goes on to give him an amazing prophetic word. The Spirit of God comes upon Saul. God changes his heart. He starts prophesying with the prophets, and everybody sees it and goes, what just happened to Saul? In a moment of frustration, wanting to quit everything that he was out doing, couldn't find the donkeys, lo and behold, the whole thing was a setup from the Lord to get him where he needed to be to anoint him king over Israel. What is the Lord have you set up for, and you just don't see it. What would you say to Saul? If you knew this story, and you saw Saul in those three days, and he's super discouraged looking for the donkeys, what would you say to him? 
and you knew what was happening, you know what you would say to him? Oh, buddy, don't quit. Don't go home. Don't turn around. Don't worry about the donkeys. Yeah, you're frustrated. It's okay. Don't worry. God's totally got you set up. That's what you would say to them. So that's what I'm saying to you. God has you set up. God's sent the word ahead. The the meat's been set aside. And your place at the table is coming. You just don't know it yet. So I'm bringing this word to you from 1 Samuel 9 to encourage you. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book because, I mean, it's like who we are. I love it. Because our God is good and his plans are good. And his thoughts are good. And his ways are good. And his intentions are good. And his timing, is his timing good? His timing is good. When he brings it about, they they had to search for the donkeys for three days. Why didn't they just go there in the first place? It's God's timing. God's involved in the timing of whatever it is you think he should have already done. He's involved in the timing. Thank him for the timing. Thank him for the wait. I'm on day one. I got two more days of looking for donkeys. Thank him for it. He's already got plans. Thank him for it. If you've complained about the donkeys being lost, just repent and thank him that he lost your donkeys on purpose for you because his plans are good for you. He's got you set up for victory, for success, for fruitfulness, for transformation. In fact, everything he's got you set up for is only good. Even if you interpret it the wrong way, it's still good. And whatever the devil is meant for harm, he can turn it to good. He can do that. He can do anything. Our God is great. So go home and let your donkeys out the gate and shove them. Say, go get lost. So the Lord can move me along. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go out and let your animals out and say, all right, I'm going to let my... It's not a literal message for you to go home, and, unless it's cats. Just let your cats out. Hey, I hope you got something from God. I hope the word of the Lord spoke to you. I wanted you to be encouraged. I want you to have hope. I want you to have faith in the living God. He loves you so much. He loves his people. Come on, would you pray with me? And I want to pray over this word. Would you stand with me for a few moments here? Minister Micah, thank you. Let's take time to pray over this. I don't know where you might be in this story, but God does, and so do you. So we're going to take time to pray over this. Maybe you're searching for some donkeys somewhere. Or maybe you feel like, uh, you know, Saul did. Let's just quit and go home. We're done here. Let's pray over that. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this story. I I thank you for all these stories in the Word. I thank you for this story of Saul. So clear that you are at work. So clear that we can trust in you. And you are the great orchestrator. I just say it over every 
person and, and over every child that's here that maybe doesn't understand the circumstances that they're faced with. There's children here that do not understand the circumstances that they're faced with. I can almost hear your thoughts. And I want to tell you, the Lord God, the living God, has you set up. He will turn it to good. Every boy and girl, hear me. This is family night, so I'm going to speak real quick because I know there's children here. God has not forgotten about you. You are not left out. You do not have to earn his goodness to you. You cannot do anything to make him love you more. You cannot work hard enough or be good enough for God to say, oh, now I love you more. He loves you just like you are. You know what? There were some moms and dads that needed to hear that right there. You cannot earn more of God's love. He already demonstrated how much he loves you. The word clearly declares that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just say, I love you. He proved it on the cross. Maybe you need to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross. Maybe you've drifted away and I've said something to quicken you. And on the inside of you, you want to receive God's love for you. Maybe you've fallen away from God and your faith has grown cold. I'm going to invite you to turn around and come back to him today. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite you to pray with me tonight. going to pause just I'm just going to pause a moment because the Lord is speaking we're going to come back to that salvation point in just a moment but the Lord is speaking to some kids I have such a the Lord has given me such a burden for children and I just want to make sure every child that's here hears me say God has great things for you God has great things for you and the circumstances that you are facing today are not God's whole picture for you. There is good on the way. I bind every lie that has been spoken to our children whispered in their ear that they're not good enough for God to love them. And I break that lie in Jesus' name. That lie of abandonment and rejection, I break it off in the name of Jesus. Father, loose your love, loose your power and your presence to touch our precious children in Jesus' name. If you need to receive Jesus, today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Those of you that are watching the line and here, would you bow with your head with me for just a moment? I'm going to lead you in a, time, in a simple prayer. We're going to ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We're going to proclaim our faith in Him out loud. The Bible declares, if you believe in your heart, 
and say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity in hell. Hell is a real place and it was not made for you. And you can spend eternity with God in heaven. It's where he wants you to be, but you have to receive his gift of salvation. It is the only way. So would you pray right out loud with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross to take my place and to pay my price. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you from this moment on. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.